Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I don't know if I want Ed Ogeron post-game press conferences. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of starting to feel like maybe I do. Noster Davidson, Rain Stradamus. Here we go, Exit 31. It's Columbus Day today. Is it? Yeah. Is that, the, is that today? Yeah, some people have uh, the day off. Others are here working. We got yeah. to talk about some Syracuse football a little frustration level today with that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, questionable calls. <laughs> we'll just put that statement out there. Maybe we'll take some. 315-437-7644. Utica Roll Market 96.5 FM. You got it at 315-768-1310. Use either number. Glue Guy will accept your phone call. Probably um, he'll let us know. We'll get to some of those. We'll get some reactions. We have a few. Stephen Bailey, of course, with his breakdown from 24-7 Sports. At about 2.30, Jeff Abramo from Inside the Loud House will join us today. John Eads with Orrin Fizz will join us today. We'll have our own thoughts and observations. We will have some, not Ed Ogeron, but Dino Baber's sound check to get to. Might sprinkle a little bit of that in from the post game in our opening segment. We'll definitely get to that at around 2.15. So segment two, be here before you know it. I, I don't know what else to say other than I'm just frustrated. Guys in Orange Nation, uh, Pauly Skibilia, and Stephen Fonte, uh, you know, they went through. I mean, we all know what the discussion is. It's those three or four play, really four plays. Yeah, I agree with Steve. Uh, I mean, maybe three of them jump out to me a little bit more. But it, it just, you're going, what the am I watching here? How does this keep happening? You know, it's funny. Dino said, and I'll paraphrase, he feels like this team is on the verge of something. And, and I feel like that, too. Now, clearly, the passing game has to keep improving. But we have a power running game now, and we're putting up points. Garrett Schrader being the starting quarterback or moved into the position of being QB1 was the right move for Dino Babers. Steven Fonte said a little bit earlier, it seems like he's making the right decisions most of the time. I'm paraphrasing again. Just none of the decisions work out. Right. Garrett Schrader's working out. I will say that. The defense, it's legit. A very interesting matchup with a very different Clemson team than we're used to seeing on a short week on Friday. But we've got we've to get through what we just saw and what we've really seen for the last few games. It just keeps happening over and over and over again. It's like you're right there and you just you don't know how to win yet. Or do you know how to win? And it's, it's coaching. Ultimately, and these decisions are not the right ones at the right times. You kind of agree with it, and then you go, I don't know if I agree with it. But then I go, I don't like the explanation. And then I just sit here, and I'm frustrated, and here we are. We lost again. Yeah. And, yeah, Axe said it. I'll give give credit to Axe. I see a 5-1 team here, right, with some better coaching decisions. I'll leave it right there. Spencer Davidson, how are you? Your opening remarks. I'm done with my rant for now. There'll be plenty more today for the next two hours. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, you can keep hammering. You can keep hammering on, on the decision-making and everything, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you do that. Um, there's certainly plenty of blame on, the, on the, the coaching decisions made this weekend, but 
you know, to me, one of the keys that, that, that I was talking about before this game last week was the past defense was Syracuse going to be able to contain Sam Hartman and, and you know, the, the passing offense of Wake Forest. You and, said it. And largely the answer was no. I mean, they get torched for 330 yards, a couple of touched, three touchdowns, one of them being the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Yeah. Where they just got beat, and that is where it lies for me. Now, again, there are plenty of, of coaching decisions. There are plenty of time management issues that can be discussed and can be discussed um, correctly because there were plenty of that. But at the same time, despite all of that, despite all the decisions, you had a chance to win in overtime. I don't, I'm going to ask this question of our guests and I'll ask this question to you. Listen, of, of all of the incorrect decisions that were made, the delay of game penalty, first of all, I think we all agree. I was impressed that Dino sacked up and said, I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. And there you are about to run a play for two point conversion to win this game, an undefeated team, 19th ranked. Huge statement for Syracuse football. Listen, we're back. We are so much better than we have been. How could that possibly have happened? And I said this on Twitter. You you have to put that on the head coach. Yeah. Because prior to the game, in a week of practice, if you don't already have some plays in your back pocket when you have to run a two-point conversion, whether it's with a few seconds left in a game or at any point during the game that you choose to go for two, you can't just signal in from the sideline and say, we're going for two, we're running this play. Yeah. You should, and it shouldn't just be one play. You should have some options. That should never have been a question. It should have been a matter of at that point in time in the game with a chance to win upon making that decision to go for two, and not wimp out and just tie it. Which I totally respect that. I love the aggressiveness. Blue guy, you said it. Orange is the new fast. That's been the slogan. That's that type of mentality. That's the dog mentality. That's what we want. Right? Yeah. And you just, you didn't fumble the ball. What did you do? It was, I, I don't even know how to describe that. Inexcusable. I can't, I'm frustrated with that. Yeah. You should have won the game right there. How many times can you... Are you in a position to win a game and you just fail? You just failed to win and execute. You couldn't even get the play run. Well, and how about, uh, yeah, I, I mean. I sound angry. S- I'm just frustrated. Say, I'm you, not angry. I swear. You I'm not say angry. That you're on, you say that you're on, that you're on the verge. <laughs> but, like, at some point, you, you got to cross over the verge and you got to get it done. I mean, this would have been such a statement game. Would have changed the entire complexion of this season and put you one step closer to a bowl game, and you didn't get it done. You had it. You had it right there. You had the first possession of the overtime, and you could have taken care of it right there. The offense moved for a few plays, then it stalled. You had to settle for a field goal. And then you couldn't stop their passing game when it counted the most. Andre Schmidt missed a field goal earlier that he would normally make. Yeah. It's kind of like... What's the worst case scenario in every situation? And that's what it ends up on. That's literally what it ends. It reminded me of Rex Culpepper last year, that one play where we were like, uh, what just, ha- ha- how, uh, uh, like inexplicable. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's still happening. What's the bugaboo? Why, why is Syracuse snake bitten with this type of thing? Is it the coaching? Is it the coaching? The players have to make the plays. Everybody says that. I agree with that. I understand that in every sport, not just Syracuse football. 
But time and time again, it's not happening. Why? Why? Well, why? I mean, okay, so I'll play devil's advocate here. I mean, they got it done a few years ago when Eric Dungy was leading this team. It was the same coach. I know. It's the same coach. So, so is this a personnel issue? The players not getting it done? Like, at what point? Look, look I'm, I'm, I'm not absolving Dino Babers of any responsibility with decision-making in this, past, in this last game, especially the clock management when it came to the two-point conversion or lack thereof. But they, they've been there and they, they've done that before. And what I saw at the end of the game, regardless of all the other decisions and regardless of everything else that took place in the game, is the last play of the game, your defense, the players on the field just got burnt. Where is the accountability? I, I feel like it's blame game and excuses. And I said this to the glue guy before we get on the air today. It seems to me the only accountable individual was Garrett Schrader. And, it's, and just referencing the delay of gameplay when trying to get the two-point conversion off, where he took responsibility. Mm-hmm. He did. He absolutely did. Glue guy, what do you got? MRI901 said the same thing in the chat. Schrader fell on the sword for his coach in the press conference. That shouldn't happen. No. Dino needs, to, Dino needs to say that. It's on me. It's on me. Whether he believes it or not, you have to do that. Yep. That shouldn't be on Garrett Schrader's shoulders to do that. And it's some, that's something we talked about, though. He, uh, Matt Park had tweeted about that, how he is always there and accountable. So at the end of the day, that is a leader. And it's funny, QSportsTalk.com, there is a poll. Uh, I think you're ranking. Read it for me, glue guy. Yeah, I know you had it in front of you. So how confident are you in Garrett Schrader from here on out? One through three, not at all. Four through six, best we've got. Seven through nine, he's legit. Or ten, Schrader's our savior. Yeah, so I voted. You know, I, I, what'd you vote for? A third choice was a couple minutes. He's ago. legit. He's legit. Yeah, I, he's not a savior. Is anybody at, at this point? Come on. That's yeah, weird. that was my reasonable vote. Exit thirty-one. ESPN Radio. QSportsTalk.com. Spencer Davidson. Rain. Glue guys in here. Uh, Noster Davidson versus Rain Stradamus. I'm not, I'm really not mad. I'm just frustrated. Nah, I, I, I could I could feel it. I'm just frustrated watching that game. Here's the quote. One of the quotes from post game after we lost to Wake Forest, that people are... Well, I'll put it to you this way. I don't know if you're just listening to us on the radio or you're with us in the chat at QSportsTalk.com, but there's a lot of smarminess in there. And I'm kind of feeling that Mm -hmm. vibe right now. But a lot of it has to do with with this. This quote. This thing is there wasn't a sense of urgency of us going out on the football field. There was certain cats that were taking their time and we needed to speed that thing up. You know, it was disappointing. We... you know, I didn't want it to go to overtime, and, and uh, it was disappointing that, that uh, we got that penalty. You shouldn't have gotten that penalty. That's it. You shouldn't have gotten that penalty. There's a, there's a play clock. Get the play in before. Say hike. <laughs> Clap your hands like you do. Come on. It's not entirely Garrett Schrader's fault. No. The entire offense wasn't on the field and prepared to run a two-point conversion to win a football game with 23 seconds left, 22 seconds left, whatever it was. What do you do there? That can't happen again. Do you feel like that could happen again, though? Yeah, absolutely. It could happen again. Because you've seen it it too many times. Yeah. This isn't an isolated incident. No. This isn't an isolated incident. And, And, you know, there are no moral victories at this point. You know, when you're when you take a, a Wake Forest team to overtime, an unbeaten Wake Forest team to overtime, and you have chances to win it and you don't get it done, yeah, okay, is it is it great? Did you prove 
something that you could hang with with a team. Okay, whatever. You didn't win. You didn't win the game. And as a wise, as a, a, a wise oracle of the sport once said, you play to win the game. And he's right. Oh, so I don't know. I don't know. I got to take a deep breath. It's not like we're not going to have this conversation for the rest of Exit 31 here on ESPN Radio, <laughs> Uh We're going to get some other perspective on this, hopefully a little bit more rational, uh, perhaps irrational. I don't quite know. Through in 5437 At some point in there, we'll grab some phone calls or a phone call or two. Uh, so is it the fourth and two field goal you got an issue with? Is it that accepting of the third down penalty? I mean, do you accept the penalty there? Do you force Skiba to make that 51-yard kick? This has been discussed ad, ad nauseum. You can see, I can see the point that Dino was trying to make about that, but at the same time, he's never made one of that distance, and that keeps... Make him then. Then make him or force him or put him in a position where he has to make one yeah. of that length then. Clearly, we know how accurate he is. We talked about overall, you have two of the best kickers in college football, on the field, in really pristine conditions, mm-hmm. right? But make him make it. Yep. Make him make the kick. Well, a 51-yard field goal would be a, you know, a decent field goal for an NFL kicker. I mean, you have a college kicker here who's never made a 51-yarder. That's no joke. That's no joke. You definitely want to put yourself in a position to do that. Or put, if you're Syracuse, put Wake Forest in a position where they need to do that. It, you put, you're putting a little pressure on them. We'll grab the phone call here. we got a couple of minutes left in our opening segment. Exit 31 ESPN Radio. We have a different screening system than Orange Nation, so we're trusting you to be uh, grown-ups and adults and be careful with the potty mouth. First name, please. What's your name? Hey, this is Don Johnson. Hey, Don. Talk to Don me, Don Johnson. Don Johnson. How you been, bud? Talk to me. Hey, I, I just have a – not too bad. I just have uh, one quick thing. I went to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty, I don't know, I just think on the fourth and two that we really, really honestly should have ran the ball and got that first down instead of going for the field goal. Regardless of how good our kicker is or anything, we should, the way we were running the ball, we should have actually went for it to get that first down. I'm thinking a totally different ball game if that happens. That's just my opinion on this. Another thing, how about my bills? <laughs> <laughs> um arguably the best team in the NFL right now. If not, we're in a top three conversation. We're going to address them in a little bit, I promise. Stay with me, Don, for two seconds. I agree with you. I I totally agree with you as far as going for it on the fourth and two, and I'm going to tell you why. You have a two-headed monster of Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker. Look at just the yards per carry. The odds are in your favor, and this is the offense that Syracuse is putting on the field now. Are you telling them after everything else that they have done, the body of work, the success with this running game, that you can't get two more yards in that situation when momentum is behind you, I feel like they can. So then you're running play after play after play after play, and you're having success, and then suddenly you get to that point, and you're going, nah, I'm not sure you guys got two yards in you. What does that say to your team? Well, is that more of an indictment of the offensive line, not being able to block for your guys out of the backfield? They've blocked on how many other plays. They've done a passable job. They've improved from what they were last year. Right, but I'm saying when it, when the chips are down then how are and they, they're facing fourth and two. How else do they learn to come through and make a play? Everybody has to make a play mm-hmm. for them to succeed and get those two yards. Yeah. I agree. It's a momentum changer. It can you, You're successful there. You can then you change your mindset for the rest of the game, right? You, there's a little bit more belief. Yep. 
Right? Wrong? Yeah, no, you're no, you're right on that point. You're right on that you point. You can push back. I'm but. just trying to rationalize the decisions where, you know, if, if you're fourth and two and you have your offensive line, which has been inconsistent and, and at times very questionable, but at times has, 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 has certainly shown something, but do you go with what you perceive at that moment to be the sure thing, Andre Schmidt, or do you risk getting nothing because you don't feel like your offense is quite there. And then three points were on the board because Andre Schmidt actually loses one. Don Johnson, I know you're still with us. Any quick response to what we just said? I just still say, you know what, give it to Tucker. The guy's a beast. I don't care anybody says. Look at that one hit that he took. The defender is one that fell. He didn't even get out stride. He just kept going yeah. for that one touchdown. Yeah. Or, you know what, utilize him more. I know and I did like that. The one more play I did that kind of like is when they did the option. Mm-hmm. Good old Syracuse football right there. A little Pasqualoni Good era. Good old Syracuse football. A little Pasqualoni era, you feel oh, right yeah. there, Coach I, I, Mack? I, I, All right, Don. I we, am. We, I am. we appreciate the call, and congratulations you. on your very successful um, Buffalo Bills, or Orchard Park Bills, as Spencer likes to call them. Here's the thing. Monday morning quarterbacks, second guessing. We all do it. The problem is with Syracuse you make decisions and you live and die by them when you're a head coach. The problem is we're not successful on the decisions. Every decision is going the way of the negative aspect. You understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it, we're not succeeding on them. Hey, if we had 50-50 odds, it just seems like every time we come to a point in a game where there is a crucial play, a game-changing play, the wrong decision is made and it's not executed. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're here right now. We'll break. X31 ESPN Radio QSportsTalk.com. We're going to get the sound check next. We're going to air you some more audio from post game and, of course, earlier today, Dino Baber's weekly press conference. Hang tight. This is Exit 31 with Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Listen to this. Mic check. Okay? Good. Here's your sports sound check. Uh, during the break, QSportsTalk.com, you might have heard it. We had a chat with Wayne in the truck. Wayne, uh, it's Rain. I, I know you feel I'm wrong on that. Totally cool. Uh, what we were saying a couple of minutes before that, and hopefully we get you to call in at some point when we're on the air taking calls and, and we'll we'll have a nice conversation. It, it's like a revisionist history thing, right, Spencer? That's what uh, we were yep. discussing during the break after you hung up, Wayne. It Because the decisions being made, whether it's just – against Wake Forest, or really in these last few games, they're not working out in Syracuse's favor. So we do what we all do. I do it, you do it, we all do it. Revisionist history, right? You, you go back, you look at it, you Monday morning quarterback it, uh, you should have done this, and then you always want to argue in favor of a decision you could have made, not the one that you did made, mm-hmm. and then hope and figure if it worked out, but if that worked out, how does that affect necessarily other decisions and other plays after that? I mean, and the game takes a whole new trajectory, right? Yeah. So that's what we're all doing here. Uh, totally have no problem. We can agree to disagree. We can go back and forth and debate it. The argument is you kick the field goal, you go up by four instead of being up by one. Who knows? It didn't work out that way, right? So in, in some senses, I guess we're all right on certain accounts and wrong on others. We do have somebody on the phone. Let's take one quick before we get to some Dino Babers and sound check. Hello, Pat. Hey, Pat. What's going on, bud? Hey guys, how you doing? This is my first time talking to you, but uh, I just want to say I love your show. I love the emotion that you give behind uh, your comments about SU. Appreciate sports. it. Thank uh, you. It's more different. It's way more different than maybe some of your other colleagues are because you give the more real side, the more real emotional side as as a fan. 
which I definitely like about you. Um, so uh, getting to my point, I think uh, I love Gary Sherry, man. I just – the way I saw some of those somersaults he was doing, it just it reminded me of Eric Dungeon. He just he, – he is a rugged, blue-collar, just cat, man. He is just so tough, man, this guy. I just think he needs to bulk up a little bit more, but, man, he is a big boy. If he puts on some weight, man, a little bit more muscle, especially on those arms, uh, he's going to be a problem. He's already a problem, but imagine if he puts on maybe like five or ten more pounds of muscle, man. Imagine what he could do with this offense. Like uh, how Dungey had to bulk up a little bit. Imagine what he would do if he actually bulked up a little bit. The only thing I would like to see a little bit, just to critique it a little bit, I'd like to see him protect that ball a little more when he's running. Mm-hmm. A couple times I saw him running with the ball one-handed. You got to be careful with that. That's, that someone could easily uh, slap that out from behind. Other than that, man, this is an amazing get. This is like a diamond in the rough. They got him from Mississippi State. I love it. Hopefully, this opens more doors in the transfer portal for quarterbacks for us in the future. Well, well do your thoughts, guys. Well, you know it's funny too. You brought up protecting the ball, and it made me think about Cooper Lutz there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was painful. Uh, are you still with us, Pat? Yes, sir. Pat, I want to ask you. I want to ask you a question, and we will expand on this momentarily, but. The other thing is, in the passing game, that does have to be part of Syracuse's offense. In a game-managing sense, you throw enough to keep them honest. Clearly, Sean Tucker has he's the most all-purpose yards in the nation right yeah. now. He's a dual threat out of the backfield. right? Garrett Schrader led the team in rushing for the second week in a row. So we know they can, they can put up some yards. They can do some damage. This offense can run that way. Big test against the defense of Clemson coming up, but I digress. Do you see enough, and I love Garrett Schrader too, by the way. I've said this before the fair. I think before, before at the fair, before the season started, I think he had to be the quarterback for us to have some success. Is there enough within him to grow the passing game in your mind, Pat, from your observations? 100% yes, because if you look where he started over, um, uh, when he started taking over the job a little bit, when he was getting integrated into the quarterback position at Syracuse, he didn't look comfortable at all. He, he, there was no question. I thought, man, this could be a train wreck. But I've seen growth in his passing game. He looks a lot more confident in there throwing the ball. Um, he, I like to, I like him trying the deep balls a little more. A lot of this is timing with the wide receivers. You know, especially with him now taking the first string reps with the wide receivers, he's going to get more intact with them. They're going to be able to read each other's mind. I've noticed, like especially, he's, he's got, he's actually really good at throwing the ball short to mid-range, to medium-range with the football. He's actually very accurate with that, um, throwing the short to mid-range, especially when the guys are running slants yep. or, uh, uh, or cross of the field patterns. And I'd like to see him get the ball a little bit more to maybe uh, uh, a guy that we haven't really heard much about this Rochester kid, uh, Stephen Mahar. I don't know what his deal is, but, you know, I'd like to see them. He's a big body. I remember watching videos of him in uh, Rochester. I'd like to see – he's more of a wide receiver type – but I'd like to see maybe him get a couple looks on the field. And maybe he's definitely a guy that maybe in the end you could maybe throw a 50-50 ball up in time in the end zone and let him make a play. Uh, and Luke Benson, another guy, I'd like to see them uh, get, get some uh, 50-50 balls in the end zone. He's a bigger guy. He's got to he's gotta get – they got to use the tight ends more. I mean, there's no question. Say. They're bigger <laughs> targets. I was just about to say, Pat, what you're trying to say is they need to use the tight ends a little more in um, 
I, I don't know if we're going to succeed on seeing that in a Dino Babers office. Listen, man, uh, we're going to slide you off the air. We're going to continue the conversation. Very grateful for the kind words. And, of course, you coming in and talking a little Syracuse football with us here. Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You know, you, you talk about the 50-50 balls. I, I mean, Gadsden, right, with the pedigree. That yep. was another one. We're wondering. I mean, Alford with the size. We'll, we'll see these things develop, I have a feeling. But but I just I I don't I just don't know what to make of it until he gets hurt. I saw that comment, you know, running the ball this way, going to have to develop the passing game a little bit more. That's something else that's in there. The QSportsTalk.com chat. Oh, decisions, decisions, decisions. But I think that you know what I gave him credit in our opening segment. I'll give it again. I think Garrett Schrader was the right decision. And until some of these Dino Babers decisions start to work out, we're going to have to keep questioning them. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think at this point. And I was going to say this after after last week, um, last week's game, but Garrett Schrader has shown me enough. He's shown me enough that he is the guy to be under center with this team moving forward. And I have been in, I've been impressed with his play. And then to Pat's point, I, I agree. I've seen enough progress over the last few weeks in the passing game, being able to make that a part of his game, that, that that's going to be something moving forward that he's going to continue to improve on. And yeah, he can absolutely be a dual threat quarterback, not just have to, having to defend against his legs. Um, so he, you know, I, there's nothing to scoff at in terms of his game. Could, could, could he make some, some better decisions, you know, here and there, of course, but they did not lose this game because of Garrett Schrader by, by no stretch of the imagination. You're not wrong. And for him to fall on the sword for his coach, you know, you got to respect that even more. Well, here you go. Here is a little bit more of an extended explanation on the two point play that we have been discussing from Dino a little earlier today on his press conference. Here's the deal. We were going to go for one because we play at, we're at home, and traditionally you play for one. The way we scored the touchdown, I felt like it was a huge momentum swing. And I'm like, you know what? Let's end this thing right now and go for two. Now, in doing that, you freeze the guys. If you watch, what we do the same mechanics every time. It's either one or two. You freeze the guys, and you tell them, okay, we're going to go for two. We missed getting that ball off by two seconds. The celebration was a long celebration with Tucker, uh, getting the guys lined up and getting geared up and get them ready to go, and there was not a great sense of urgency out there. Now, if they'd have known it beforehand, it would have been a lot more. But in doing that, we didn't get it off, and then we backed it up and we kicked for the one. Yep, that's exactly what happened, and there you go. I don't know how you feel about the explanation. I think over the last half an hour, we've I've shared my thoughts. I have definitely shared my thoughts. Listen, uh, we have Dave on hold. We're not going to have time to get to him. We do have to take a break, and we got to get Stephen Bailey with his breakdown on. But if you're with us at QSportsTalk.com, we're going to talk to Dave during the radio break. Exit 31 on ESPN Radio. Sit tight. Stephen Bailey is next. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Well, some people in the... Uh QSportsTalk.com chat has have made the point that Stephen Bailey, who's joining us now for the breakdown, it sounds a bit exasperated after Saturday's game. Uh, Stephen, are you exasperated? Is that the, is that the right way to look at this? Is that is that how you're feeling right now? I was I was exasperated after the game, longest game of the year, overtime, and kind of all the. You know the the reaction to Dino's decision making, like and Twitter was a, Twitter's always kind of a cesspool, but it was just 
so vile and, and that kind of at its worst. <laughs> so having to to work around that environment, yeah, I was I was pretty exasperated, but I'm recharged a little bit. Good, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can you can kind of toe the line from frustration, exasperation, critiquing. Yep. Um, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, questioning his decisions to making it personal. This nothing personal. I love Dino Babers. I do. I've got no no beef with them that way. Just these decisions aren't working out, Stephen, and that seems to be the problem. The fourth and two field goal, the accepting of the third down penalty, the two-point conversion and delay a game. I mean, of these decisions, if you just want to focus on this game, it seems like it's snowballed for the past few games, or really a, a lot lately in the Dino Babers era, but it, they just don't work out in his favor. I mean, which is the which is the worst one in your mind, Stephen? I mean, I mean, obviously not being ready to go for two yeah. is, is just it's brutal. I mean, you're the head coach. Um, the offensive coordinator too, but like you, you run the offense. So to not have your unit ready to go for two to try and win a game is, you know, it's kind of inexcusable, right? Like you say, you know, Dino said that he made the decision to go for two as Sean Tucker scored the touchdown. So, you know, I mean, easier said than done. It's hard to put myself in those shoes, but you would think you kind of knew what you, you'd think a lot of coaches probably know what you're going to do in that scenario. And then to have the players, you know, I, without hearing everything that's going on, it's hard to say, like, oh, were the players really, really celebrating? Or like, how are you unable to get those guys together and get the right personnel out there? And Dino said there were two seconds from snapping the ball, but Matthew Bergeron said after the game that he never even got the play call from Sean Tucker. I don't think Garrett Schrader really got a chance to look at the Wake Forest defense. Like, I, I don't think it was close. So, you know, it, it's hard to give you up exactly how much of that time falls on who, but as a head coach, you've got to have especially an offensive-minded head coach, right? You've got to have that group ready. So to me, that's clearly um, clearly a mistake, and it's reasonable to fault them for that. Uh, you know, I think kicking the field going fourth and two and you're averaging six yards per carry, I think the, the analytics are probably going to tell you you should have gone for that one. You know, accepting the holding call personally, I think is more just a result that didn't work out. Um, Dave Clawson said he would have probably done the same thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think – you know, if that ball is incomplete, we're not even talking about this. And, in fact, Wake Forest scores zero points. If that pass is incomplete, maybe Syracuse wins. <laughs> you know, you'd say that about Andre Smith's field goal going in. Sure. Or, you know, if you let Sifa kick it and he makes it for three, you can say that with anything, right? But, I mean, shoot, if you don't get at least, what, 12 yards or, or I guess 10 yards on that third and 23, you're not even you're not even trying a field goal. You're punting. So, to me, that's more just – you know, you make a 50-50 tech call and it goes wrong, but, you know, go, not going forward on fourth and two, I think, is really, really conservative, especially considering the success the rushing attack had. And, I mean, there's just no excuse for the two-point conversion. Breakdown with Stephen Bailey, 24-7 Sports here, Exit 31, ESPN Radio, or QSportsTalk.com. Uh, great chat going on right now. Uh, we're all kind of just, I don't know, soothing our wounds of a <laughs> unacceptable loss. But I, I guess I ask as a quick follow-up, Stephen, it, and Spencer and I discussed this in our opening segment, but it feels like the accountability isn't quite there. And I feel like, and especially based on, you know, you referencing what some of the other players had said after that, did Garrett fall on the sword? I'm almost like he was the most accountable. He took responsibility and not going for it. Does that also show with Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker running the ball they, the way they do that? When push comes to shove, you get to that one game-changing part of the game, 
and you lack confidence or trust in your team to be able to get those two yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the fourth and two, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I, you know, I think in terms of fourth down decision making, this wasn't an anomaly. Dino Babers has leaned on the more conservative side, and like, kind of across college and professional football, you're seeing coaches slowly get dragged into going for it, <laughs> you know, going for it and fourth and one, going for it and fourth and two, trusting that the numbers say you're going to get a yard or two and not maybe worrying about the ramifications of the decision so much. Uh, so it, it really didn't surprise me that he did that. But for a guy that does bring up game flow and, and situational stuff, like you're saying you had the confidence to go for two for the win, but you didn't have the confidence to convert a fourth and two in the open field. So those two things don't really mesh for me. And, and I mean, it is a reminder of how hard it is to coach live in games in those situations, but yeah, that one, you know, I don't know if it's just old-fashioned thinking or for some reason not having confidence in the group that was on the field. But, I mean, for them, too, especially with that offense and the way that they were moving the ball, like, I mean, do you put Garrett Schrader in space or you run the RPO? Like, to me, to me, I, I suspect the numbers lean heavily toward getting a first down. Joined by Stephen Bailey of 24-7 Sports here on QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio, Exit 31. Uh, I I do. We've spent so much time harping uh, harping on the negatives in this game, but I I do want to see if we can focus a little bit on some of the positives that were there. And you saw, you know, there were a lot of question marks about the the passing game, the receivers with the loss of Taj Harris. But I mean, the the ball moved around a bit. You know, you had Courtney Jackson with sixty four yards receiving, Anthony Quilly thirty two, uh, uh, Devon Cooper with fifteen, Sean Tucker with twenty nine, and a yeah. receiving touchdown. Uh, you know, these are these are not numbers that are going to blow you away, but do you at least feel like they've kind of explored their options a bit in the passing game? They showed that they do have, you know, a stable of receivers that they could go to and see if they can build on that? Yeah, I mean, I think as far as receiver capability, that, that was there. You know, Anthony Quill is a second-year starter. Mm-hmm. Courtney Jackson someone who's been getting at least first-team practice reps for two years and kind of mixing in here and there. He's really the guy who's seeing more snaps because of Taj leaving, just because he's playing out of the slot primarily. Um, so, you know, I, I I think the passing game was better, uh, but it's still just not there yet. You can't have guys dropping bombs. They're running really straightforward schemes, right? I mean, you know, Garrett throwing the same balls over the middle with the digger or the in. Um, you know, you, you, still, you still see them missing on a lot of those, right? I don't know if you remember he – kind of threw a ball toward the sideline. He thought Courtney Jackson, who was running a wheel route, was going to stop for a back shoulder ball. And Courtney was going deep. And he missed He missed Courtney on another one of those, pulled the ball down. So A couple times. You know, I think it's chemistry. I think chemistry is the biggest thing, and it's and Gareth's accuracy, and they, they've still got to prove a lot of things there. Stephen Bailey is with us here on Exit 31 at ESPN Radio, where QSportsTalk.com. I want to play you a piece of audio from Dino. I know you heard this yourself. Uh, talking about Garrett deciding to run sometimes, and he said the goal is for the quarterbacks to pass. I got a question on the other side. 
Some of those runs aren't designed. Some of them are him taking off. Okay, we haven't designed 30 runs for him to go. So he's making those decisions. All quarterbacks want to throw the ball. All receivers want to catch the ball in every snap, and all running backs want to run the ball in every snap. The really cool guys are the offensive linemen. They just do whatever the heck they're told to do. So we're going to try to throw the ball. We're always going to try to throw the ball. We need to be balanced as an offense. We'll always work towards that. But until you get there, you need to do some things that are working. It did, is there a slight bit of Garrett sometimes runs when we want him to throw there? I'm not saying, you know, he's running them over, you know, driving them over with the bus, but maybe just alluding to he's still learning that maybe. Uh, no, I think <laughs> so. It's weird. The question that was asked, like Garrett said he always wants to, mm-hmm. you know, throw the ball when he can. Um, and I think the implication was kind of that Syracuse is giving him a lot of designed runs. So Dino's, you know, saying no. <laughs> a lot of the times it is him taking off. Uh, I don't, I didn't get the vibe that Dino wants him to stay in the pocket more. Good. Uh, it, it, honestly, I mean, some of the best plays that they've made the last two weeks has been Garrett Schrader looking, looking upfield for a passing play, seeing space, and just going. I mean, frankly, you know, I don't, it is maybe going too far to say not giving the routes a chance. Maybe he goes to his first read and gets out. But I mean, it's quick. Those designed rollouts against Florida State, you watch that the, the line is run-blocking left and selling roll-up, but the receivers aren't blocking. They're out on routes, and it's Garrett seeing space and just going. Um, and, and he did that quite a few times against Wake Forest, too. So, you know, I think until teams respect that and spy him or, or find a way to stop it, like, that's Syracuse's best offense, right? you know, right now. His ability to run is, is kind of what's um, providing some balance and forcing teams from totally just trying to take away Sean Tucker. Steven, at this point, how, how big of a concern is the, the punting game? Uh, I mean, you know, there are some, there are some weak punts with short distance, putting Wake Forest in, in good field position. We've seen that the last couple of weeks, obviously two different punters in those games, but just how, how concerning is that, that special teams battle and giving them good field position? Cause it doesn't seem like you found a reliable guy. I know that glue guy off the air uh, mentioned the fact that it's like, if you're going to only punt it 10 yards, 20 yards, like why not just go for it <laughs> at, on a fourth and two or whatever. So, I mean, how concerning yeah. is that aspect of the game at this point for this team? Oh, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, you've got, you've got your starting punter. I don't know exactly what his physical limitation is, but clearly he's not 100%. I mean, you, you're just watching him warm up. He's not taking full swings. He's talking with different personnel people, you know, presumably about how he's feeling. Again, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to fully contextualize that. But just watching him, he's not taking full swings. It's clear he's not 100%. Or you've got a true freshman walk-on who made his debut at Tallahassee. But there is there is no right answer there. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you do get a little bit more aggressive going for fourth downs in, in the midfield. Um, you know, it depends how much you trust your defense, right? The last couple of games haven't gone quite as well for the Orange defense as the first four. Uh, but, yeah, the punting problem is definitely significant, especially because, you know, it's not even like they're just consistently like 30, 35-yard punts. It's like there's a couple shanks. And you can't, you know, in close games, that like a number of things can end up being the difference. Somebody in the QSportsTalk.com chat just said Schrader punted in high school. I don't know if we're going to go to that point yet. We'll, we'll just hold off. That's a, yeah. And you know what? 
you would probably take off and run. Then just go for it from now on. Punts are off. The, we're not. It's not punter you. It's we don't punt here anymore mm-hmm. at Syracuse and Hill on the Loud House. Stephen, always Your appreciate it. That's not a bad idea. I'm just saying it, it's an option. It's an option. Uh, it's the breakdown with Stephen Bailey, 24-7 sports. We're always grateful for the time. Exit 31 ESPN Radio. And guess what? We're coming back. You're killing me, Smalls, is next. I've got a few names that I've put together. We'll see what you think next, Spencer. Hang on. Okay. You're killing me, Smalls. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're killing me, Smalls. There's 60 minutes in an hour. I think we just spent 54 uh, with a little bit of a cathartic rant. We needed it, though. Yeah, everybody needed it. You know what? I mean, there's a lot of that in the chat at QSportsTalk.com, so we'll take a couple of minutes here to throw a couple of other things out there. We've had some NFL conversations in the chat as well. We've been talking Bills and Jets and Giants and, the, you know, Giants and the Cowboys and your Jets, they lost again, too. Thanks. Uh, Bills won up there, upper echelon, man. Got to be a top three team. I mean, is it Dallas and Tampa in the NFC? It's a Bills and who in the AFC? I mean, the Rams are in that conversation. I got to tell you something. I don't know if it's this year, but the Chargers with Justin Herbert, that kid is going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, he's good. Oof, he's I, good. It will have. I got I to gotta say, though, really quick, like, obviously the score ended up being lopsided yesterday against the Dolphins, yeah. but just so far from what I've seen about the Bucks, like, I think because of the experience, because of Tom Brady, because they know how to win, they will be in the conversation at the end of the year. But I haven't been overly impressed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of the gates this year. I got to say, I haven't been overly impressed. They get it done. They get it done. So Spencer's not- drunk. That's all. I get, they get it Tom done, Brady. but like, it's not like it Tom do- Brady. they don't look like they're completely dominant every game. Antonio Brown looked amazing for him yesterday, too. Uh, I'm just saying. We're going to talk a lot more about the NFL in the next couple of days. This is really like <laughs> the Columbus Day Syracuse football vent session today. It feels like, even though I'm going to step off that for a quick second, I just wanted to point out the... Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight last night. You want to talk about Twitter exploding. Wow. Yeah. It's one of the best. I, I didn't watch the fight, but you can always just check out tons of videos. So I watched, you know, quite a bit of, of the video highlights of it. And it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, but I just, I wanted to point out a, one tweet in particular. Skip Bearless. Oh, you know here, Bearless? here we go. Oh, he drives me crazy. Here we go. He drives me crazy. Here's his tweet. I'm sorry. I can't call that a great fight. A classic turn of events. Absolutely. Wilder got knocked out and nearly out, then battled right back with two knockdowns the next round. But from the fourth round on, Fury dominated as the superior boxer. Wilder hung on by sheer guts. Thank you for being the contrarian because you want Why? attention and you got it. I gave yeah. it to you. That's it. Well, he's such a curmudgeon. He's just whatever. He's like, killing me. He, I mean, you know, he says this stuff. Just to get the reaction, which 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 is it's good. I mean, you know, any publicity is good publicity. The guy gets the conversation going, but yeah. I mean, come on, yeah. you can't in all seriousness make that argument. No, you I, can't in all seriousness make that argument. Come on, I I, I would agree with you, but uh, he won. You guys are talking about it. Oh, turn the mic off. Okay, He's, who who don't come you? in here and be who right. Asked you no, not, now, glue guy's number two on <laughs> the list of who's killing me, Smalls. Uh, point. Point duly noted, and you're not wrong, sir. The glue guy, man. Uh, listen, I got a few names. I threw them together and, and just just crunched them together because this is the sports festivus, the airing of the grievances. What in this world of sports makes you roll your eyes? Gruden, Kyrie, Urban, Meyer. There you go. Uh, all three of them. I mean, we could discuss this for an hour. Uh, Gruden, come on. The stuff that he said, unforgivable. Yeah. Unforgivable. Uh, 11 years ago, 10 years ago, or in 2021, and I apologize. 
and because I apologize and I tell you I'm, I'm, I'm not racist, I'm not racist, you cannot say the things that he said, period. Uh, Kyrie, going to play half the games, not going to play home games. You're giving up home court advantage if you make the playoffs. You realize yeah. that? Yep. You realize that? Selfish. Get vaccinated. Selfish. Get vaccinated for your teammates. Uh, you, you are putting them in a horrible position. Uh, it just I don't know how this doesn't get... How do you keep him there? Steve Nash, do you see... We talked about this last week. Steve Nash is going to have to jump through hoops to, and say all the right things. And I don't believe for two seconds he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's totally fine. We'll, do, we'll make it work with him just playing half of our games. No, it's BS. Every it's indivi- BS. You can't do that. Every individual has a right to get vaccinated or not, but this is just a crazy situation. Hashtag vaccination status matters. Um, the Knicks look really good. Uh, <laughs> you guys be a circus in Brooklyn. The, the Knicks are on the right track. And you guys thought this was going to become a Brooklyn Nets city. Get out of here. Please. Honestly, though, you guys could win four world, you know, four world championships in a row, and it's still a Knicks, it's still a Knicks town. Even You're though, never going to overtake the Knicks. Stop trying to be, you know, the gimmicky sideshow. Go away. Even though it's Go been back to Jersey. 50 years since the Knicks. Stop. Oh it's still a Knicks town. They, they still sold out every day, even when they're terrible. They Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And Urban Meyer, what, can, what else can be said about this ah, nonsense? God, yeah. I mean, at, at this point, it's like talking about him. Just it, it just it just gives him the the attention. Like he's got his quarterback contradicting exactly yeah, this what is a he's bad situation. now. So it's a bad situation. Nonsense becomes more nonsense, becomes more nonsense, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse in Jacksonville. Can you imagine a scenario where Urban Meyer is the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars next season? Ask Trevor Lawrence if he's glad he got drafted by Jacksonville and he's in this situation. If he at least had a reputable head coach, you'd be in a different. It, it would be different. Sala. You would understand the losing and trying to build it into a winning team. Uh, you're, it's bad. Man, it's bad. It's, it's very, very bad. That's, that's Mount Everest. What they got to climb down there. What that's a for mess. sure. That's killing us, Smalls. Up next, Jeff Abramo from Inside the Loud House, Exit 31 ESPN Radio. We're at QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We got uh, our guy Jeff Abramo from inside the Loud House. Haven't talked to him in a couple weeks. Going to bring him back on right now. So I'm going to let him choose his words. I don't even want to paraphrase, but I I just kind of want to roll you into the thought process of what I'm going to ask him for in his opening remarks. This is, as it pertains to Syracuse football, more than just what we saw on the field with the loss against Wake Forest. This is after six years this is a more existential observation in where we are right now. The accumulation of the Dino Babers era. And yeah, that that just that loss and the mistakes and poor coaching decisions and on and on and on. Jeff, welcome to the Airwaves. Take it from there, bud. Rain, Spencer, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, listen, I don't know what to say other than the fact that we now are six years into a coaching tenure where the only success that we've really seen came on the heels of Scott Schaefer's recruits. I, I don't I don't know what to say. I don't ever call for coaches to get fired. I will never be hashtagging fired Dino. I'm a middle-aged guy with kids to support, and he is too. So no offense, Dino, but the middle-aged part. But so I'm not going to stick fire anybody. That's not my decision to make. But, you know, this game lost me. I mean, we have a legit Heisman candidate who's leading the nation in all-purpose yards. We have a good to above-average defense who's struggled a little bit lately. 
We have a quarterback who in many ways is looking like the poor man's Eric Dungy emerging before our eyes. I mean, the guy throws. I did an article last week to show he can throw the ball, believe it or not. And we've seen his legs. And we have these coaching decisions that I feel like are continuously sabotaging us. I mean, you made the point. When is the guy going to have a 50-50 call go his way? Maybe they're not 50-50 calls. I think it's fair. Can I, can I ask you to address something we haven't yet, but we said we were going to, alluded to it quickly in the chat at QSportsTalk.com, as we have Jeff Abrama here from Inside the Loud House on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio, and that is the secondary issues. Spencer, you brought that up a little bit earlier yep. as well. But the Orange led the ACC in pass defense coming into this game, but then clearly, I mean, I'll just give you two players and, and, a, and a couple of numbers. There's more to it than this, but... Perry with his three touchdowns and 137 yards and Roberson had 135 yards and nine catches. Clearly there are breakdowns in the secondary. Now I understand the passing attack as we go into this Clemson game isn't the same as Hartman and Wake Forest. However, that's concerning. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the secondary, I think, showed some flashes early and I think they have potential, but they're not there yet. Okay, the strength of this team is clearly up front and that really ties into you know, what I consider to be the absolute worst call of the day. And actually, Stephen Bailey, who I think is really good at what he does, though, he actually spoke it from the other position. I think the worst call of the day was giving up that, taking that penalty in the first half, okay? Mm-hmm. I watched this play over and over again on the YouTube highlights to see if I'm getting this right. And from what I can see, we back them up 10 yards, and then we proceed to run a soft prevent style defense where we drop everybody back 12 to 15 yards, meaning, and we work, we rush three people, meaning that at the end of the day, the best case scenario you're going to get is giving up that same 10 to 12 yards and setting up the same field goal. That's the best case scenario. And the worst case scenario is what happened. You give up a big first down, they milk the clock and you don't get a chance at that one final drive before halftime still with the momentum. And before Wake Forest gets to make all the coaching adjustments that they made, which effectively stepped up their defense when they came out of halftime. Jeff Abramo of Inside the Loud House joining us on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Uh, Jeff, you know, we, we, we've been speaking here a, a little bit about the defense, and, you, and you've mentioned that, you know, they, they've struggled a bit here, and, you know, Rain brought up again the, the, the secondary and stuff. So my point here is we've, we've, we've all been talking so much about the coaching decisions and, and, and the blame, and, you know, Dino Babers having a, a – what somebody called it a a G uh, grade game, but I mean, doesn't some of the blame fall on the players? Because at the end of the game, you know, when 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 Hartman throws the ball into the end zone, I mean, Syracuse defenders just got beat. So isn't there some onus on the players here? The reason why they couldn't get this done? Absolutely, the players have to make the plays. Absolutely, and I I, I absolutely see that point. I think that what we have though, the problem we have is. We have a 5-0 and Wake Forest team coming in that everybody accepts to be a very good team coming in. Mm-hmm. We have a, a Syracuse team that is probably playing over its head to build up the lead. And we see consistently Dino Babers making coaching decisions that, in my opinion, turn the momentum, bolster the sales of the opposition, and in some cases I think have to be deflating to a defense that thinks that they're giving their all, okay? So, yeah, I get, what, I get what you're saying. I'm not absolving the players by any means. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we have one game and we have a Rutgers game, which I think a lot of questionable officiating calls, you know, may have cost them. We have a Florida State game that I think one holding call really cost them. And we have this game in which I think a lot of coaching decisions cost them. 
there have been a lot of mistakes by the defense, but I'd go so far as to say I don't think a single loss can explicitly fall on their shoulders. Yeah, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with that statement. So Dino in his postgame presser a little bit earlier today, uh, he, he said, I gave them third and long because the kicker was automatic in pregame. I want to play you that audio. I want you to respond to what Dino said specifically on the other side. Hang on, Jeff. It's always a talking to. And, uh, you know, you can do the numbers. I was sitting there. The guy is the most accurate kicker in the history of Wake Forest. His longest kick is 47 yards. I know what his longest kick is. He was in the stadium booting it from 58 and drilling it in pregame warm-ups. If anybody watches pregame warm-ups, and I'm sitting there going, he's like 900%. And I'm like, this guy's not going to miss. Okay, so I had a choice of letting them get three or seeing if they can convert a third and 23 versus our defense. I don't know what the analytics are, but you guys can shoot the percentages and write a heck of an article. And then even with the third and 23, we had a guy right there, but we didn't make the play. So I know this game's going to be a close game. It's always a close game. I didn't want to, was it surrender three points right before the half? So Jeff, pregame is not in-game, and as everybody has noted, he has never made one from that distance. Talking about Nick Skiba, of course, Wake Forest kicker. What do you assess as far as that comment? I mean, were they rushing him in pregame? Was there a defense out there? You know, was there a crowd noise out there pregame? I, I don't I don't buy it. I, yeah. I just don't. I, I, it's about the risk-reward, like I said. So if he makes that kick, you're still leading. You have the ball with three minutes to go. You have a ton of momentum. I think they probably go down and score another touchdown. I think they have a very good chance of doing that. They were in control at that point. I just think when you convert a third and 23, when you give them a chance to do that, I just think that you're conceding so much. You're conceding that last drive. You're conceding momentum. You're conceding points. I just, I just don't see it. That might be the call you make if the game is about to end and you have X number of seconds to go and it is a potential game-winning kick. If you want to give me that there, Maybe I could buy that because there's none of the ancillary damage that it could cause both in the rest of that half and for the game moving forward. Jeff Abramov inside the Loud House joining us on QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio. You're listening to Exit 31. Uh, so all that being said, we've heard some of the things that, that Tino Babers has, has said. Do you want to see more acceptance of blame? Do you want to see him saying, yeah, this falls on my shoulders? Or at this point, does it really not even make a difference? What do you want to see from Dino Babers? And, and what, if anything, can, can help you in, 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 I guess, being a little bit more on his bandwagon, so to speak? I mean, we just have to start winning these close games. He's, he, I think that he's suffering from a case of uh, paralysis by analysis sometimes. Mm. I think that we're overthinking things too much I, don't, I mean you just don't make take that penalty it's that sort of thinking three steps ahead you're trying to take, play chess here when it's really a checkers decision he just needs to start making more you know common sense play calls you know when, you, when you're running for seven thousand yards or whatever we got you have to give your chance your team a chance to pick up a fourth and two you know his press conference today he also said i believe in my guys you clearly don't believe in your offense enough to get two yards when you're running all over the place you know I just he just needs to be more consistent. That's what I'll. That's what I'll get. I'm not off his bandwagon. Mm-hmm. My best scenario is that Dino Babers, this thing turns around. This coaching staff, we start winning games because I I think Dino Babers is great. I love hearing his enthusiasm for this program and this team. We just need to see some results. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's absolutely right. 
beat Clemson, right? Yeah. Imagine that. Start. Imagine the conversation we're having next week if you beat Clemson. Yeah. We're not having the same conversation. Hey, we, we, you win, you start to win, and all of this goes away. We sweep this under the rug for now, and yep. unless we have another game uh, as a result of bad coaching decisions and a loss that we have to discuss. Otherwise, you know what? It's all in good faith. That Winning point. heals all. Last but not least for you, Jeff, I, I just wanted to read you a tweet I saw from Andy Pregler. He said, I hate being the guy to say this, but it's time to move on a head coach, not because of any single call. It's the inconsistency of process in any game with the additional QB yo-yo they played, and it shows no vision for the program beyond survive. Cues can't live there. Yes, no, maybe. Mm-hmm. Agree, disagree. Uh, Dino wants us to have faith with that evidence. I think a lot of people think the evidence is clear. I'm willing to give him a chance to climb out of it, but it's running out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of slack left on the rope, that's for sure. Jeff, always appreciate the time. We're going to do it again soon. It's Jeff Abramo with Inside the Loud House, Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. we got a kerfuffle next, and we'll get to John Eads with Orange Fizz. Who's got Twitter beef? Bulletin board material. We've got another Donny Brook, an athletic brouhaha. Let's go toe to toe. It's the Exit 31 kerfuffle. Ah, a classic conundrum. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Tell you what, <laughs> we've had about an hour 20. Of kerfuffle already on this show. Rain I'm busy. versus I'm, Dino. I'm busy. I'm feeling Fans the beat. Fans versus Dino. I said it, though. Listen, in, similar to what Jeff Abramo said, and I just almost <laughs> used his screen <laughs> name at QSportsTalk.com. Uh, but that's on me, man. See, I got to make the decision. I got to be disciplined. Yeah. I love, I love Dino. I do, for the same reasons. I love the enthusiasm. I, I just, I do. It's just, I want to see the results. And I do believe and agree with him. This is a good football team. Yeah. Let's let's just let's stop beating around the bush, okay? We can debate the semantics. We can dig through the details. We don't have to. Just in general, this is a good football team. Let me tell it you. It really is on both sides of the football. Could, could we throw the ball a little bit more? We're, we're get there, hopefully. But we have an offense that can put up points, and we have a good defense, okay? Every game is different. Every play is different. There's so many variables and factors. But the fact remains, you just, you're seeing some coaching decisions that are not working out. And until they start to, we're going to continue to have this conversation and be frustrated. I don't know what the requirement is from Wild Hack and everybody else for Dino Babers to coach beyond this year. Okay, but yeah, as we were told by a caller right in our opening segment, we got a fan perspective. And that's, I guess, what I'm giving you in some sense. I'm not a journalist. Okay, I'm a radio broadcaster and I I just I I need to see results, though. At some point, we said it last week, like five times. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. The same thing keeps happening over and over again. And that is why we're all frustrated. Right. Right. A few decisions, the 50 50s, whatever you want to call it. When some of them start to swing in Syracuse's favor and there's some W's, we'll be good on these games that there's not. There's L's. Ohio, we're going to win that game. Albany, we're going to win that game. I'm talking about the rest of them. And I think you know the games I'm alluding to. And what you know what? Some of these games in the future, too. Yeah, but, you know, look, at the same time, and I know that people have also addressed this in the QSportsTalk.com chat. If you would have told me, if you would have told me that, you know, in, in, in week five, six, are we in six already? Wow. Yeah. Week six of the season. We're three and three. Yeah. That we would have taken an undefeated 
and ranked opponent to overtime. Now, this is coming off a 1-10 season. If you would have said, in week six, we take a ranked opponent to overtime and have a chance to win the game. Anybody that sat there in the week leading up to the Wake Forest game, putting out a prediction of Syracuse winning or believing Syracuse could win this game, let me just tell you something. They were right. Yeah, Syracuse could have won that game, but they didn't. And there were questionable coaching decisions that directly led to the loss. Yes, the players have to play. To I know you're trying to counterbalance me with that point, Spencer, but that's the facts that are in front of us, right? Yeah. It, it's yeah, just I mean, true. I mean, look, the results are not there, and when the results aren't there, there's obviously going to be questions. There's going to be frustration. But I'm just trying to say, did anybody think this team at the beginning of the season was going to hang with an undefeated and ranked opponent? Now, whether or not Wake Forest is really the real deal, I mean, look, at this point, they're 6-0. and They're a 6-0 and team. So whether or not talent level, they're really you know on pace as, as an undefeated team is, is obviously the question here. But the fact remains, they are a 6-0 and team. And if you said before the season that a at the time 5-0 and team would come into the Carrier Dome as a ranked opponent and Syracuse would take them to overtime, I think anybody would have taken that, that at the beginning of the season and said, you know what, that would make for an exciting year. But then as we went through the first five games, we started to realize, especially after the Garrett Schrader changed quarterback, we mm-hmm. started to realize, and then the realization that the defense is actually pretty good. Yeah. We're starting to go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They've kind of exceeded expectations in some aspects. No, they definitely have. Yeah, absolutely. So now I, I guess we just expect more. We, yeah. we just expect more. The players have delivered on that, but the coaching staff has to now. That's right. a fair okay. assessment, okay. right? Yeah, that's that's fair. That's All, fair. Also, um, this was not on the list of things we were going to kerfuffle about either. No, here we this are. Was not. We, have a, <laughs> we have a list of things we were going to kerfuffle about, and we've spent the last hour and 25 kerfuffling about something not on the list. We're going to revisit the Syracuse Wake Forest and, and SU football conversation with Johnny Smorge Fizz in just a couple of minutes here. But Exit 31 ESPN Radio and, of course, at QSportsTalk.com. Let's kerfuffle a couple of other topics. Let's go to the NFL really quick. Coach Gruden, Chucky, whatever you want to call him, uh, he's got, what, four years left on his 10-year, $100 million deal with the Raiders. But what about him against basic human decency? You know, there's a term, coded language. Yeah. You've heard the term coded language. What he used wasn't coded language. It was unacceptable racist language. Yeah. Uh, and he's come out and apologized. Uh, and then, of course, one of the final questions in, in the press conference about that when he apologized was, are the Raiders going to do anything? Has the NFL reached out to you to do anything? Somebody's got to do something. That's you can't do that. You can't do that. And you can't tell me that his locker room supports him. You can't tell me that to a man individually and collectively after yeah. a while. Uh, guys are going to talk. It's unacceptable. You have got to fix this and your actions have to fix this. Not just your. Well, in my opinion, his words have not sufficed yet, but it doesn't take a conversation it's going to take a long time, yeah. a long time to rebuild and repair the trust in that locker room with his players and really with the NFL community at large and the bigger picture humanity, because it was just absolutely wrong what he said, yeah. what he typed. Well, and the thing is, is, is you can sit here and apologize for it after the fact and you could say all the, you know, uh, I guess, perceptively right things, but. I mean, you said the words, man. Like, I don't know, because you, I can't imagine myself sending an email and like allowing myself to type out the words that he typed out. Like, it's just, there's got to be something there 
if if you're typing out if you're okay with typing out those words clearly i mean but that's just that's something that i like in good conscience i can't allow my like my fingers would not be able to type out what he typed out and so to me it it, it it's telling and you can sit there again and say i'm sorry and it was wrong that's not the way that i think and whatever but but then why why would you type it why would you type it i i can i cannot imagine Type like when these, you know, when people say, you know, some things are, are, are remarks from the past surface, it's like I, I can't imagine myself allowing myself to say you or th- writing these certain things. You thought it, you typed it, you sent it. Right. You, d- you did those three you, things. You, you had to consciously make that, that move. Not good. Not good. Tampa, the Bills, and the rest of the league, according to Vegas, that's who's going to the Super Bowl. Mm. NFC, AFC, Tampa Bills. Clearly, uh, they are significantly better than the Chiefs right now. I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia, got to feel great about that. The weather delay last night was insane, uh, but the game got, you know, they finished the game, and the Bills just built upon what they did to Texas. It, it Listen, they didn't shut them out, but they were so far superior mm-hmm. on the field last night. I don't know who else in the AFC. No team jumps out at me that's going to take them out. The Bills are going to the big game this year. Think so? They're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I'll make that declaration right now. I have total faith. Uh, 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 barring, unfortunately, it, it's a plausible part of the conversation, and I'm not trying to jinx anything, Bills Mafia, but barring injury to, obviously, there's some very key players that we could name. I won't name names. But other than that happening, and you never know, Yeah, I, I don't see a path to, to taking them out. What about your boy Justin Herbert? Uh, No, not yet. All right. Not, All right. not quite yet. Not, right. not with the Bills defense. That offense that's putting up 40 points a game or more. I mean, come on. Yeah. Tremaine Edmonds, by the way, on the flip side, 23 years old. Micah Hyde. I, and Milano wasn't even, didn't even play. And that's, listen, to hold Kansas City, they still, you've still got Tyreek Hill. You've still got Pat Mahomes there. You've mm-hmm. still got a, a pretty good offense. And you know what? Not impressed. Not impressed with what the Bills did to them. Made them look foolish. Yep. They dominated that game in every aspect. So who else out of the NFC? Tampa or who? Because that's the question, Mark. No, I mean, I mean, you know, obviously the, the Rams part of that conversation. But, I, you know, again, I, I said earlier that I have not been overly impressed by Tampa, but they're still Tampa. They still have Tom Brady. They know how to win, and that's going to take them far. They don't have to necessarily, you know, blow your socks off every 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 week. They, they just got to get it done, and, and they are getting it done. And- Here's the crazy thing. The best defensive game Tampa played all – Year last year was actually in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Get there yep. and then shut down the other team. Can they shut down the Bills, presumably? I guess we play these games and find out. Kerfuffle, Exit 31 ESPN Radio. Uh, the Giants versus Health with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. It's never good when you got Mike Lennon in there. <laughs> Again, it's <laughs> nerve-wracking to have Daniel Jones. Uh, he's starting to show glimpses, but uh, it's not looking good for the Giants right now. No. Anything you want to heap upon me, you want to... Poke at me a little bit. <laughs> well, the, like the thing not, is, is do not I, hating on your Jets, for no, example. I was going to say, do I want do I want to poke at you? Do I want to kick you when you're down? Of course, but like I don't have a leg to stand on because I'm a Jets fan. Cardinals, Arizona, absolutely. That's, that's that that's that's potential. We talked about Kyler them. Murray is unreal. Talked about them last week. Got to throw them in the conversation right now. Yeah. That is a team that they could should, get there. They should be. They yeah. should definitely be in the conversation. Kev from Liverpool, the poster child of QSportsTalk.com for all the Cowboys fans out there. Yeah, you, it's plausible for the Cowboys this year. That offense is unbelievable. But this con- this conversation develops week by week. 
depending on who's winning and who's not, right? Right. Yep. Pretty obviously. Listen, we got to take a break right now. We want to get back on these phones. We're going to discuss Syracuse Wake Forest a little bit more with John Eads with Orange Fizz. If you haven't caught him in our previous segments, great analysis. Mm-hmm. And a Q student, even better. Writes for Orange Fizz, and he's next on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31. In about an hour, I'm going to f*** away 20 grand. What, are you going to bet on the Knicks? <laughs> is it, I'm sorry. I mean, how often? I mean, oh, man, nobody thinks that's funny. Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. So glad we can make a connection with John Eads again here with Orange Fizz and bring him onto the airwaves especially when we're second-guessing in our uh, Monday morning armchair quarterbacking a loss due to coaching decisions. Mm. It's on Dino. This one's on Dino, I'm sure. Those questionable calls by Dino, I guess I ask you to get things started, John, in your mind. And, And I know you know the three or four plays we're referring to. Which one was the worst? Which one directly resulted in that loss in your mind? I think the one that directly resulted in the loss was the one that came in the most critical point of the game. It was after you score that touchdown on that final drive, you have a chance to win it or tie the game. You come out, you already know what two-point play you want to run. Everybody knew that they wanted to go for two to win the game, and you get a delay of game. How does that happen? That cannot happen. That's something that you talk about in practice before the game. When you wake up in the morning, you eat your breakfast, you know what play you're going to run, you know you're going to go for two in that situation, and you still get a delay of game penalty. I think that was the most critical penalty of that entire game, and that's why Syracuse lost. John, um, you know, what did you think of, of Garrett Trader's play? I think we saw a little bit more in the passing game from him, which we, which I think we've wanted to see. Obviously, the numbers aren't astronomical, but, you know, we saw some, some key moments where he made some good passes. But, you know, at the same time, obviously, with the legs. So just overall, you know, I, I mean, I, how impressed were you with him in this game? Because I really, you know, I, I'm convinced this guy's the guy. Very impressed. I mean, I feel for the Wake Forest fans because I'm sure he was just so annoying to have to watch. Every time he'd pick up a critical third down, third down and long, I mean, he did that several times to keep the trains moving, especially on that last drive of the game when Syracuse ended up having a chance. They ended up just tying the game with that delay of game penalty that I just mentioned. The amount of times he was able to move the stick because this passing game is dead. There is no Syracuse passing game, and I had little faith that Syracuse could even move the ball down the field on that drive because of how little they were passing and what little success they were doing. So the way he was able to get into the pocket, use his legs, pick up those key first downs time and time again, had to be so annoying for Wake Forest fans and for Syracuse fans, a welcome sight. So let's talk about the accepting of the third down penalty. What do you do there? Do you make Skiba kick at 51 regardless of how many he was booming in pregame (laughs) without game conditions? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? That's another one we've been discussing, and I'm sure you have ad nauseum. Yeah, that's a tough one because Nick Skiba is one of the best kickers in the country, so it's kind of a guaranteed three points. And on the other side of that, if you accept that penalty, it makes it a tougher field goal. I don't even know if they would take the field goal with that 10 yards. And it becomes a third down and 23. So I guess what you have to look at there is the play call. Syracuse decided to rush three guys on that play, drop eight into coverage, had a chance to get off the field. And then I think it was Stephon Thompson who missed the opportunity to knock that ball down and bring a fourth down. And the Wake ended up converting and scoring anyways on that drive. So I think it was a correct decision because you take three points off the board. If you're Tony White, the defensive coordinator, you've got to make a better call and be more is execute better than to get off the field. So it was the defense after that particular play, that next play, that prevent defense that everybody's been talking about. That yep. was the mistake, the egregious mistake that Syracuse made in that particular situation. I think so because you guys saw it. Syracuse was getting to Hartman like nobody's business. That defensive line, that front six that we've 
piped up so much early on in the season was getting consistent pressure. But on the flip side of that, Wake was hitting on deep balls like nobody, nobody's business in that game as well. But in that situation, the difference is you're not leaving your corners and safeties on one-on-one on islands. It's eight in the coverage. You expect to get off the field on a third and 23. So it's really tough. What it comes down to really is just execution. It's the same with that delay of game penalty. Is there any concern on your part based on, on what you just said there with the, with the deep ball and everything? You know, we, we all praise Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams, Garrett Williams earlier in the season, but is there concern now that, you know, I mean, these guys are just getting beat deep. I, I mean, at what point do you kind of get a little bit concerned with, with their abilities, uh, you know, when they're not able to get it done against good offenses? It's tough because Wake Forest probably is one of the best wide receiver, wide receiver rooms in the ACC, and you saw it, A.T. Perry. Dakari Roberson, Taylor Moran, Donovan Green wasn't even playing. He exposed Syracuse a couple seasons ago. So I'm not too concerned. I think what you saw is that these guys are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So you can't just go and blitz seven, eight guys every play and expect your corners to be locked down every single time. You need to leave a safety back there. And Syracuse did one time. Hartman forced a bad ball in there, and it resulted in a Syracuse interception. But you can't leave them on airlines because, as we saw, they are vulnerable. I haven't really seen that all of this season. So John Eads is with us from Orange Fizz here on X31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. So a lot of the conversation has been about Dino Babers and questionable decisions that didn't work out. But I want to ask you specifically, when Cooper Lutz fumbled that ball, what was your first thought, John? I was like, oh, this game's over. There's no way they're going to get the ball back and have another opportunity to tie this game up. I thought the game was all but over right there, and Syracuse fans started to hit the exits as well. And it's just tough because in that situation, you think it'd be Abdul Adams getting the carry, but he didn't even play because I think he was injured. He wasn't even suited up. So Lutz becomes running back too. And of course he fumbles in that key spot. And at that point I thought all was loose, but as we saw, it was not. One of our concerns as well, heading into the game last week, John, I'm sure it was one of yours as well, since he didn't play the game prior, but James Williams comes out. Is he a little bit hurt still? Lack of execution, the overwhelming pressure of being a true walk-on freshman, uh, but we didn't want the punting game to be a direct factor in this game specifically because it's Wake Forest. We know what they brought to the table, but yet it was. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw from Williams. Obviously, it wasn't very, it wasn't a very good sight to see him shank his first punt back. But I think what he struggled with all day was just the distance. He had the hang time every time he got a good boot on it, but he didn't really have that same distance. I don't think it played that much of a factor because even on that shank, it resulted in in Wake giving the ball back to Syracuse. And even on those field position things, the defense was playing pretty well all day and it wouldn't have mattered if the ball was 20 yards back more because Wake was hitting on those deep shots from everywhere on the field. So it would have just more, a little bit more receiving yards and longer touchdowns for Hartman and the receiving core. John Eads with Orange Fizz joining us here on QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio, Exit 31. Um, so, okay, we've discussed all this, and, and obviously it was a disappointing loss, and there were some decisions, uh, you know, decision-making issues, but, uh, you know, I'm, tr- I, I'm not normally an optimistic person, and I'm trying to be uh, a little bit optimi- more optimistic this time around. You know, coming into the season off a of one-win se- season last year, if you would have told me that in week six they would have taken a ranked and undefeated opponent to overtime, I would have said sign me up for that because that means that they're doing something right. So, I mean, doesn't there have yeah. to be some sort of, I'm not trying to say wiggle room here, but, you know, some sort of like, hey, look, at least this team is competitive, you know, I, you know, along with that disappointment. But it can't be a total loss because, I mean, they've already tripled their win total from last year. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell people the past couple of days. People forget this is the same Syracuse team that went 1-10 last year, 
was not competitive in a ton of games, and now here they are taking ranked teams to the wire, taking them to overtime, nearly beating them. I think what the problem is is people are biased, same with Liberty, and now same with Wake Forest. They just think of Wake Forest, and they think there's some mediocre team in the ACC. No. When it's all said and done, this is going to be the best team in the ACC. So for Syracuse to take them all the way to the wire, force overtime, and nearly win, could have, you could argue they should have won because they outplayed them. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's an improvement, and I agree with you. If you would have told me that a couple of weeks ago, I would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. John, Dino basically said, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this team is on the verge of turning a corner where maybe some of these decisions, because ultimately it's all there. He's making a choice on what to do, and it just hasn't worked out. But if they start to work out, there's a good football team on the field. Are we close to that with Syracuse University's football team? Yes, I think so. I think both units are in a position where Syracuse can win games with one of them leading the charge. Now, what needs to happen and what needs to change is we're in, you got to get healthy. I mean, we got to kind of throw out the elf in the room. You see the young guys starting, and a lot of guys that didn't even play last week. You think about the offensive line, how young they were. Aaron Service wasn't out there. Yeah, Kaylin Ellis starting at left guard, true freshman. So you got to get healthy, and what you got to do is execute. You got to get these dumb penalties out of the way, especially in the game on the line on that delay of game on the two point conversion. That cannot happen. This is like like a it's a season where Dino Davis is have to prove that he should be the guy that this is his job to have, and you can't be taking those penalties in those situations. So it comes down to two things: get healthy. All right. There's a lot of people that are on the fence about Dino losing him as the head coach of Syracuse and perhaps a change next season. We'll see. John, you make a deal with me. Come back on and talk to us again very soon. Okay. Fantastic job as always. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me back, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That's John Eads with Orange Fizz. Just outstanding, man. Outstanding. I love it. it. And and still a student, man. The the sky's the limit. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely, man. Keep doing what you're doing, John. We'll talk to him very soon. Last thing we'll say today, though, it's next on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain Stradamus and Nostra Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Here's the last thing we'll say today. Remember that Chuck Woolery guy that used to drop the two and two? Mm. But it's actually two weeks, two days, or 16 days in total. We got SU basketball. You realize that? Barama and Buddy Buckets are going to be at ACC Media Day tomorrow. We'll have to... uh, share a little audio and have a conversation on that. I'm so hyped for basketball. Oh, yeah. Especially because the Yankees are playing and the Red Sox are still playing. Yeah, Red Sox fans, I get it. I'm a little salty about that. Got some salt dropped in the QSportsTalk.com chat earlier, too. What do you call those? It's not like an emoji. What no, is it's that? an emoji. It's an emoji. It's is an it an emoji? emoji? Yeah. I got a salt emoji dropped in there by somebody a little bit. I, I think that was. was for me. Was it Hellray or Tampa Ron? It was, it was Hellray, I think. Was it, yeah. I, I, think it was, I think it was directed at me, though. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we've had Smarm in there. We've had... I'm getting hammered today. Because you're being all Mr. Positive. I'm not being Mr. Positive. I'm just... I'm, <sighs> and everybody's frustrated, so they want to vent today. It's yeah. it, it. They just do. They just want to let it out. All right, this fine. is a great place to fine, do it. Fine, fine. Ready? You ready for Be this? reasonable this, tomorrow. It was totally, totally unacceptable. I am completely done with this Syracuse Orange. Can you kill orange. Mike? No, I wasn't serious. He can talk. Go ahead. Finish, finish, Spencer. No, it's it, it's. Look at this. And it changed my mind. Kills my. Nah. No, 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 no. Put it back on. Put it back on. Put it back on. That's not I'm funny. Done. No, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. You can be reasonable tomorrow, All just right, not fair, today. Fair, fair. But listen, we got NBA, NHL, and AHL crunch and comets. Oh, can't wait. AHL affiliates of the Lightning and the Devils, and we get to go Uticus, and we get to bring those types of things. Heavy back into this conversation. You got some Monday night football tonight, Baltimore and Indy. 
I'm Baltimore wins this. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any no, path I don't to victory think, yeah. for Baltimore. No, Baltimore wins. That's what I said. Yeah, you said, but I don't think there's any path to victory for Baltimore. You meant to say Indianapolis there. Correct. Yes. Yes. I just I, I just wanted you to sound good. That's all. Uh, every, you know what? Despite every, you you getting in on the Spencer hate today, I'm, I'm still in your corner, and I still want to help you out because I'm a good line mate. Well, I was about to say, you know what, man? I absolve you of everything from earlier. You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think Baltimore wins this. <laughs> There's just a lot to look forward to. We said it last week. There's this point in the year where here it is in October when everything is happening, Yep. and I can't wait. The only thing I really want out of this is a few more Syracuse wins and Syracuse, or excuse me, Boston to get knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah. That's that's really what I'm living for. My fingers are totally crossed as far as that's concerned. What, what in the heck is going on with Boston taking a couple from Tampa? I thought they were going to sweep them. Yeah. How is this happening? I mean, Boston is it Cora? woke up. Yeah, Boston woke up, man. They made some adjustments. They started hitting. They didn't hit in the, in, in the first game. There is a belief in Cora within that locker room by his players, a buy-in, if you will. Listen, he, he he knows the X's and O's of the game. He manages the game well, but his his players are just absolutely all in, and it bothers me, and I wish it wasn't that way. Something needs to go wrong. Well, you know, it just, Alex Cora is another prime example of, hey, you cheat, you'll thrive in Boston. All right, we got to get out of here. It's time for Brent Axe. You're going to be on the block in moments on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Uh, I think it's fair to say we'll see you tomorrow, and I will promise you this. Noster Davidson is allowed to be reasonable then. Have a good night, everybody.